0: Hello, Texans, and welcome to the show that gets you inside NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer with you tonight. We've got a lot of people to hear from, including but not limited to Whitney Merciless, Kimi Fairbairn, Angelo Blackson. You've been hearing more about him. Dylan Cole, you've heard a whole lot about him. Johnny Harris in our final segment. In fact, I am going to out Johnny on something. I have some inside information what does Johnny have in common with Bear Bryant? And it's not good. And I'll tell you what that is in segment three. So that'll be around 635 tonight. You'll just have to stay tuned. Sorry about the long tease, but that's just the way it goes. That's how TV programs do their teases, right? You ever watch like Good Morning America? Coming up, we'll tell you about the secret of life. And you're waiting, and they don't do it for another hour. I'm only going to make you wait 34 minutes or so for that. All right? What Johnny has in common with Bear Bryant, and it's not Good. All right. I'm going to – it's nothing to do with hats or anything like that, by the way. I'm going to do this, though. Johnny does something called Texans Audio Jukebox. I decided that I want to do that, too, because I got a whole lot of audio tonight, so why don't we do it, and why don't we start our own little jingle up to get us going.
1: Texans Audio Jukebox.
0: As cheesy as that might be, I want to hear that one more time, I think, because I don't know if I really got the full cheese effect. Texans Audio Jukebox. All right, that's pretty good. So Texans Audio Jukebox, here we go for tonight. Now, I got a bunch of audio from Will Fuller, who talked to the media today. And Will Fuller coming back from the knee injury. Obviously, it's a huge deal for him. It's a huge deal for the team.
2: He feels 100%. He's trying to trust that knee. I'm doing everything. So, um, like I said, it's just a matter of, uh, like, just a mind thing, just, just feeling like myself again. Yeah,
0: and he's starting to feel like himself. He'd love to play in the preseason, he says.
2: I definitely want to get out there for, in, in the preseason, just, you know, just you know, get that game speed up.
0: Yeah, and we'd love to see him out there, although I don't know about preseason. I don't know if to, I need to see too much Will Fuller in the preseason. He says, among other things he's trying to work on, he is trying to master the mental
2: side of professional football. The more you are out there, the more you learn. You know, the longer you play, the more you learn, like, just like guys like J.J., they know everything about about the game. So, you know, I'm just, pick, just picking his brains or, you know, just talking to the quarterback, being on the same page. Just, you know, just, just trying to make everything smooth.
0: Boy, did he look good when he went out with that knee injury against the Miami Dolphins. And he said that he never really was concerned about losing a step after the ACL repair.
2: When I first hurt my knee, I was looking up, like, all the guys who had ACLs and, like, how, you know, how they played when they came back. And, you know, I had a lot of examples of guys who came back and ball, so I wasn't worried about it. As long as I put the work in, I know I'll be fine.
0: And he did put the work in. How about this?
2: Confident he will play the full season? Yes, please. It's the NFL, so I know injuries happen. And, uh, you know, my goal is to be out there all 16 games, and I, I feel like, you know, it can, it's going to happen.
0: All right. I hope it does happen indeed, because Will Fuller is so explosive, so good for this lineup. And the questions went in another direction after that meeting with the media. They asked him about the blonde in his hair, and he had this to say. I don't
2: know if anybody watched Game of Thrones, but uh, it's like my Targaryen side. Uh, (laughs) His Targaryen side. Well, guess what? Dylan Cole's coming up
0: in a little bit here, and that's just going to be in about 10 minutes, maybe less. So you'll hear what Dylan Cole has to say about Fuller's hair. Yeah, I know hair comes up from time to time. You know, D.P. Sidhu's on the staff, so it's just a topic. What can I say? Uh, he is optimistic about the production capability of the Texans' offense in 2019.
2: The sky's the limit. You know, the more we're out here together, you know, the better we'll be. So, um, you know, it feels good to get everybody back. You know, right now we're down with Kiki, but, you know, Carter came back, so... It just, just feels good to have, you know, uh, you know, just play, playing out there with Deshaun.
0: Well, he did talk about Carter, and Carter is going to be heard from in the program as well in the first half hour of the show tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. More from
2: Fuller, one more here, explaining why he wants to play in this preseason. I haven't played a football game in, you know, a long time. So just, just getting back out there and, and, you know, feeling the game speed again. Getting hit again. I haven't got tackled yet. So just, you know, getting all those things behind me
0: all right will fuller there he is and it's going to be great to get him back in the fold now what did bill o'brien have to say today after the joint practice with the detroit lions now he discusses the offensive line there have been some injuries up front in fact some on the team in general fuller talked about qt got some at safety right now but the o-line a little dinged up and bill o'brien talked about that after practice
3: you gotta get nick back in there but um you know, Greg got hurt in the game. Not too much you can do about that, and then uh, it's a good thing we have Zach Sanil's come in there, jumped in there. Shaq done a good job in there. So, but it's just the nature of the deal. I mean, there's not too much you can do about it. You just have to, you know, do the best you can.
0: They're making do. I mean, these were two padded practices this week with the Lions, and now you have the game coming up on Saturday night. Now, Matt Khalil had a day off, veteran sit, if you will. Rod Johnson, Roderick Johnson playing some left tackle
3: out there with the first unit, Bill O'Brien on his play. Day off for Matt, and uh, Rod did good. Rod, Rod's had a good camp. You know, Rod, Rod he jumped offside one time. We got to fix that, but uh, he's had a good camp. He's a strong player, great guy. He's worked hard. He's, he's really earned the right to, to get those reps.
0: Number 63 in your lineup. You'll see him on Saturday night. Now, Bill O'Brien was, of course, asked about if the starters would play on Saturday, because this was the last official media gathering with the head coach prior to the game with the Lions.
3: We got to look at the reps they got here. Got like forty reps yesterday. Probably got another forty today. So eighty reps in two days, with a game uh, forty-eight hours away. Got to look at the numbers of the GPS. Got to factor a lot of different things in. You know, getting getting into a real game without the coaches standing behind you. That's also you know part of it you know those types of things but i think we have to that'll that's that's not been determined yet
0: all right so they're going to look at all the data they get on these guys how their bodies fared with the heat with the reps like you said so You'll know when we know, and we'll know when they know. Actually, we won't know when they know unless they announce it to us, and I don't think they will. So Saturday night, we'll all be waiting together. You've got to tune into the pregame show. We'll tell you who's in, who's out, in all likelihood. Now, O'Brien was also asked about Zach Fulton, who's been getting plenty of playing time, started at guard last year. And what does he think of Zach's performance?
3: Played guard and center. He can even bump out and play tackle in a pinch if you had to. Smart guy. Very tough. Um, played basically one-handed last year. Had, a, had like, these two fingers were broken playing right guard. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's hard to do. So uh, glad we have him. Glad we have him, especially for times like this when we need help at center, and he's done a good job.
0: All right, Bill O'Brien on Zach Fulton. Now, what about his overall assessment of the joint practices with Detroit?
3: We got a lot of good situational work. I think we got to get better. Some of our... Uh, Two-minute situations, um, but I thought we we got a lot of red area work, a lot of third down work. Yeah, I thought we thought we got a lot done. No doubt, uh, a lot of red area today, which was good. It was really good.
0: Yeah, they definitely got a lot of work done in the 100-degree heat. Now he was asked about the safeties, Justin Reed, Deshaun Gibson. They've been playing well together
3: on the back end. They've got other bodies back there as well. I think the chemistry in the secondary is getting better and better. You know, there's some new guys back there with Gip and you know, uh, Bradley Roby and things like that. So I think it's getting better and better.
0: All right, let's just see that develop as time marches on here. Deshaun Watson always comes up in the conversation with the head coach post-practice, and here he is on his quarterback.
3: Where he's grown leaps and bounds is just experience. You know, the experience of, um, you know, the experience of seeing NFL defenses, seeing different looks has been awesome for him. And he's got a great IBM. You know, he's got a great brain, and he takes it all in and he's able to learn from those experiences. Wait,
0: was that a brand plug? I'm not sure. All right, DeAndre Carter back at practice and doing well as a return man, as a receiver, interesting to see him work. You heard Fuller comment on him. Here's O'Brien on DeAndre Carter.
3: I'm glad we have DeAndre Carter. You know, he's a a good, solid player. He's got good quickness. He's a strong player. He's a good punt returner. You know, he averaged like almost, what was it, 9.6 yards per punt return last year, which is a good drive starter, you know, when you can average – almost 10 yards of punt return, so I'm glad we got him.
0: All right, that's Bill O'Brien, and I just love doing that. A bunch of rapid-fire cuts, if you will, on Texans Audio Jukebox.
4: Texans Audio Jukebox.
0: That's enough. No more cheesy jingles. All right, Drew Doherty now catches up with Dylan Cole with a dirty dozen questions. And I told you the Game of Thrones thing was going to come up again. Fuller brought it up. Cole takes it to another level maybe.
4: Dylan Cole, linebacker, joins us now. And Dylan, who's got the best hair on the Texans?
5: Best hair on the Texans? Oh, man, that's a that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Will Fuller. He's got the Khaleesi look. I really like it. Khaleesi. Oh, so you are a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, yeah, he's got the, he the streaks of blonde in there. I always uh, call him Khaleesi. I think, uh, I think I don't know if he likes it, but it's good a hairdo for him. So, as a Game of Thrones fan, what do you think of the ending? Don't like to talk about it. Greatest series of all time, but uh, you you just say you wish you wish it would have ended a little better. But it so, every, all good things have to come to an end.
4: Fair enough. Okay, let's rank the Dillons. There's Dylan Cole, Bob Dylan, the two Dylan brothers, Matt Dylan and Kevin Dylan. Kevin Dylan's the guy that played Johnny Drama, and then uh, Dylan Sprouse, Where do they rank?
5: Well, I remember Dylan Sprouse from uh, Big Daddy. Oh, the, Dylan and Cole Sprouts actually played That's both right. I can't even remember all the Dylans I just know uh, that the five best rappers alive Is Dylon, 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 and Dylon But you're not going to rank those others? I don't, I didn't even I know about two of them I, I wouldn't even I don't like to put myself above anyone So uh, I'll take last there And uh, continue to try to climb Humility, it's, uh, is it, it's one of your core values. What are some other core values? Core values, just work hard, try to be the smartest person I can be, um, especially on the football field. I don't care about life, it's all right Just survive that way. But, so
4: you're not doing flashcards of geography at home?
5: Yeah, no, no no more of that. I think that was that was done in middle school, and uh, I just kind of uh, wing my, my way through the rest of it.
4: You say wing your way through the rest of life, but you made the, the distinction, not so when it comes to football. What are you doing off the field to get smarter as a football player? How do you work on that?
5: Just lots of film. I watch different players throughout the league, different special teams players, different linebackers. Uh, depends on what I'm watching. But I just try to master my craft, he, whoever's doing it right, kind of see what I like, how they're doing, and then uh, pick after them and then watch my own film, see how, what I like and what I don't like, and uh, continue to push on the things I'd like and then improve on the things I don't like.
4: What do you think of when you see guys who played in the 80s, played in the 90s, maybe even before all that, when you see those guys on film, are you evaluating their technique or are you just kind of enjoying it as a fan?
5: I enjoy that as a fan. Uh, no disrespect to him, but I think it's a little less tech- technique-wise uh, back then. I think it's more. Uh, there are big guys that could stop the run. Not too many uh, linebackers looked like me back then, so um, it's hard hard to say that you know how to pick what from their game. I like the way that they play, as in like the tenacity they have, the the physicality, and the way they run around. But uh, it's a little different nowadays. With all
4: that in mind, who's your favorite retired NFL player? That's a tough one.
5: You know, I'll probably be a typical linebacker and say Ray Lewis, I just like the way that he he kind of really evolved the way that linebackers played. Uh, the the thought process, uh, the leader, the leaders of the defense, um, really really made made that role uh, for a linebacker. So I just like the way I can he kind of changed the game for linebackers. What's your perfect birthday dessert? I like a, a nice apple pie, really warm, with a scoop
4: of homemade vanilla ice cream. Very good. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Best of luck in 2019, Dylan Cole. Appreciate you.
0: Boy, Dylan Cole is absolutely one of those guys you have to have on your football team. You know, he doesn't get all the notoriety, but he does a lot of the dirty work. And here's another guy kind of like that, Angelo Blackson, defensive lineman. You've been hearing more about him. He got a new contract in the offseason. Wasn't exactly a marquee blockbuster deal, but hey, very significant. Good player, solid on that D-line. And I started this interview off asking him about what was different. He was drafted by the Titans in the fourth round, eventually released, came over here in 2017, started making plays right away. But he took the question as, what's different about the team, not him? And it shows you what kind of teammate he is. I
1: think the biggest thing, um, we just uh, found a way to come together as a team and make everything about the team. Every um, every player uh, betters their individual skills for the team. And and, and that was the biggest thing is... is Start putting yourself in position as an individual, as a player, as a coach in the organization to be the best you for the team. That was the biggest thing.
0: When did things really start to click for you? Because you seemed to make plays right away here for the Texans, and last year really blossomed.
1: I mean, the biggest thing for me was just to be a you know a consistent guy and um, the best teammate I can and, and be out there and make the plays that I'm supposed to make and affect the game in the, in, in the role that I was supposed to be. And that was the biggest thing for me was just embrace my role and
0: be the best at it. I think the defensive line is really one of the closest groups on the team. You guys have Weaves coaching you and that room's gotta be fun with the meetings. I know it's productive, but it's also fun with guys like DJ and Dunny.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. We got a we got a group of guys that, that love to play football. And we got a group of guys that love each other. And the same group of guys love to be there for each other and make the game fun. Come in into work every day, you have to have fun with it and, 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 and still be
0: productive in work. You played at Auburn. Where else were you looking to go, potentially, when you were in school? Um, high school.
1: I had no um, other other potential schools. I mean, when Auburn uh, offered me, I committed. And, you know, that was, that was my opportunity. That was my way out. And as uh, soon as it presented itself, I took it.
0: <laughs> what other sports did you play in high school? Basketball. What position?
1: Uh, I'm all over. Center, power forward, whatever. A little bit of everything. I uh, like
0: mi- do you miss that at
1: all? I'm a football player, man. At the end of the day, that's the biggest thing for me. I'm a football player. My body grew into football and, and my mind and everything about me. So, Do
0: you have a, a newfound appreciation here over the time you've been with the Texans considering what happened in Tennessee, and now you're here and you've really found a home and, and a new contract as well?
1: That's wonderful, but the biggest thing for me is to keep improving, keep improving my game, keep improving my character off the field, on the field, and be the best teammate I can be.
0: Sounds great, Angelo. Good luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Angelo Blackson, part of that tight D-line group. Coming up, Whitney Merciless. Also, Johnny Harris. I out him on something he did back in his previous life that wasn't so good, in my opinion. We'll see. We'll hear what he has to say. Also, Kaimi Fairbairn coming up as well. It's all happening on Texans Radio. Inside air-conditioned NRG Stadium, Mark Vandermeer with you on Texans Radio as we're in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio across the hall from the locker room. And it was anything but air-conditioned on the practice field this week as the Lions came in for a couple of joint sessions. And they'll be here on Saturday night for preseason game number two. Seven o'clock kick for that, by the way. And you can see it on ABC 13. Hear it right here or stream it live on the app. So, so many ways to digest the game. And wherever you are around the Lone Star State and beyond, you can check it out on one of our affiliates, either TV or radio. So, we make sure that there's no excuse. You can see or hear the game wherever you might be. Very important. And these games are important because you can say what you want about the starters. We know Deshaun Watson's going to start, okay? But there are other players who need their shot. And I think that that's what this is all about. Getting an opportunity for some guys who want to make this league and turn into really solid players, sometimes pro bowlers for your squad or maybe somebody else's. There are a lot of storylines to follow, and we give them all to you. In fact, Kevin Kugler and Spencer Tillman on TV, Andre Ware, John Harris, and myself on the radio, of course, Drew Doherty chipping in on television as well from the sideline. Anyway, enough of the plugs. Let's get back to the field because coming off that hot practice field, Whitney Merciless. Caught up with D.P. Sidhu in the Xfinity one-on-one, and they had a good conversation about the day that transpired.
6: Just finished up joint practice with the Lions. How would it go for you out there?
7: Uh, not too bad. I mean, I had a slow start, but the thing is I finished off the day strong and all that, so I, that's it. It's just getting better, improving, and just stacking on good days. So what I left off at the end of practice, I got to do at the start of practice tomorrow.
6: All right, so the refs are out here at practice with, oh, and we got a little guest. Hey, little Parker. Hey. Video bomb by John Weeks and his daughter. She's so cute. All right, you had the refs out here today. How much does that help what you guys do to actually have them go out here and and implement some of these new rules?
7: Man, it, it helps a, a ton. I, I'm going to say that because the thing is, when you're practicing against our own offense and all that, you know, Some of the coaches, you know, they kind of like they're in favor of the offense sometimes and stuff like that. a little biased. Yeah, no doubt. You know, defense don't get no love, you know. (laughs) But um, it it really does help just keep people honest, you know, like myself jumping off sides. Um, Other guys, false starts. Also, just uh, pass interference, things like that.
6: How difficult is it going to be those pass interference calls this year? Have you guys talked about that? Is that going to be one of the big challenges in in the
7: season? I mean, I think it gets challenging each and every year, especially for the DBs. I mean, I I think it's – as playing as a cornerback uh, in this league, it is, it's become harder and harder because you can only jam within the five yards. And then and once it becomes a hand battle like down the field, sometimes you know there's a little bit of shove, a little, a little bit of a tug and all that. And so um, their job just got a lot harder, especially what you've seen in the preseason so far.
6: All right, we were talking to Romeo Cornell the other day, and he said that he wants to get you to the passer more. He wants to give you more opportunities to rest the pastor. He wants you to move around. I know, we're all so excited about this. Did he talk to you about this? Is this something that you guys have worked through in the offseason? He wants to get your sack numbers up, which I'm sure you'd love to hear as well.
7: No, man. I would love to hear that for sure. Um,
6: Am I just breaking news to you, or is this something you sort of knew was in the
7: works? I mean, as practice has gone along and all that, so I've been getting more of the you know reps as far as like a jack linebacker to go rush the passer and things like that, things of that nature. Um, A few drops here and there, but. Um, had a conversation earlier in the year, well-being, all that, and so um, they're, they're being mindful as, as far as that goes. And really, like, of course, Rack has always moved me in the past uh, around on that defense and and everything. Just exposed some weaknesses in the in the offense and things of that nature. And so I'm really happy about it. I'm happy.
6: They always talk about how you just do whatever's asked of you. You never complain. You just do your job. Uh, is it hard to sort of sit back and let someone else rest a pasture? I know that everybody wants to do that, but, mm-hmm. you know, what is it about what you do? Is it your personality that just allows you to do that? Do you? How, how do you view that?
7: Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, uh, it's all about sacrifice for my guys on the field because uh, at the end of the day, it's all about, like, team success and individual success will follow later. So if we win a championship, everybody's going to get paid on their defense for sure. But, um, you know, the thing is about it, I, I think it's about swallowing pride, swallowing your pride to just make sure to – Really go out there and go do what you're supposed to do, um, whatever is asked of you at any moment of time. time. Um, you might not agree with it, but, you know, you want to get out there, you want to play and make plays, you want to play, all that. And so I'll do that at the end of the day for my guys.
6: All right, year eight for you, what are some of the things that you're working on in training camp, things that you're working on to get better
7: for yourself? Yeah, um, more of a leadership role, um, especially for the young guys. Uh, as far as being a grind here in camp, uh in the in the classroom as well too uh how to be a great teammate set your routine stuff like that and then also i mean improving in the pass coverage as well too just making sure understanding where my body position is um i can always improve in a pad like the rushing the passer and and the run game as well too
6: all right any news on the restaurant front while we got you
7: well it is uh now has turned over we're now officially open um it is now gulf coast and you must go out there and uh really go check it out one fifth Gulf yeah. Coast. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm just leave it at that. You just go check it out.
6: Go check it out. All right, Whitney. Check out Whitney too. He's coming to a preseason game near you. Thanks so much, Whitney.
0: No, oh, no problem. Appreciate you having me. Whitney merciless and DP Sidu. All right, I love hearing from Whitney, and we're going to catch up with him at a couple of Fuddruckers Texans player shows in Stafford this year. I'm going to get that list out by next week. We are finalizing it right now. We will start up those shows the day after Labor Day, Tuesday, at the 59 Greenway location. And I did talk to Andre Hal, and he agreed to come on. Just retired over the off season, and that's a weird week because you have a Monday night football game, so they have a weird practice schedule. So the best way to do it is to get a former player, and he's recently former and knows all these guys and played last year, and he's a ball magnet. In fact, if he's sitting in the stands, I think the ball is going to find him there. He was that kind of safety for this team. So I'm looking forward to those Fuddruckers, Texans player shows indeed. And also, when we get into our regular season rotation Thursday nights it'll still be the general joining us prior to Thursday night football we'll do all that stuff on Mondays the Bill O'Brien show at five o'clock that is must listening for any Texans fan all right this is a must as well to have a good place kicker we all know that Kaimi Fairbairn is money he's made all the big kicks for the Houston Texans Knock wood, knock something because he's off to a great start in his career and it's got to continue. Now, John Harris does this thing called the 40 where he walks 40 yards with a player. It's actually good television, but it's also good on radio because Johnny does talk to these guys about a variety of things. It's going to come across really well here in audio form. And Johnny always asks players about their 40 times and Fairbairn's not going to get off the hook here, so let's listen in.
8: All right, we ask this of everybody, so be truthful about this. What's the
9: fastest 40 you've ever run? Kickers, man. We we rep with the with hidden speed. I'd like to say that's true. Uh, mine was a 4.69. Oh, yeah. Proud of that one too. Okay, I've asked this to a lot of people, especially guys on special teams. Dylan Cole said he ran a 4.38. True or false? Dylan's my boy, but seeing is believing for me. So <laughs> I'll wait. To, I'll wait and see that one. You had a lot of work today. Look good. Hit the 57 yarder. When you are kind of in a
8: groove like that, is it sort of like, and I don't know if you play basketball, but when you're playing basketball and you're shooting, you're just feeling it. Do you get kind of in that zone where you're just feeling like, it doesn't matter where the ball is spotted, you're going to knock it through?
9: Yeah, it's kind of that like uh, quiet confidence, you know, not to keep things simple. Um, And I try and go out there and attack the ball and, uh, you know, the results usually work out. Last year, week four, we're 0-3. And you get there in overtime to make that
8: kick. Yeah. Are you feeling nervous at all? Are you just going through your operation? What do you remember about making that one against
9: Indianapolis to kind of to get the W yeah. the first one of the year? Yeah, that was a big one for us as a team. Um, you got a, it got us rolling on that long win streak. Um, so it felt really good. And uh, I got a practice kick before that one, you know, the timeout which helped out. <laughs> yeah. So that that, uh, that helped, it a lot. helped a lot. Did it make it easier the next week when it happened again? Did it did. At Dallas just kind of repeat it the It did. Process? I was kind of just... Like, thinking of what my celebration would be, so positive thoughts, yeah. Okay, in the specialist room, the four of you, who's most likely to get fined and why? Who's most likely to get fined? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't want to throw anybody to the bus. No, you can't. It's okay. That's what we do. Maybe... It's all love. Shoot. Weeks is Weeks puts up some weight, so like I think if he gets too strong, yeah. gets too heavy, maybe maybe he'll get fined for overweight. Yeah, I, I like it because when we had Weeks on, you blasted him then and you blasted him again. Yep, gotta get him back. He's a he's a vet. He's been here a long time. No doubt. There he is number seven.
8: Gonna have a big year, Kai. Yes, appreciate your time. Thank you. And there's four yards with Kai Fairbairn.
0: There's John Harris with Kai Me Alua Kumu, Kumupa John Christian Fairbairn, and I got that in before the show ended. How about that? Now before the show ends tonight, let's get Johnny back in studio. He pulled something as a high school coach. You've got to hear about this. What does he have in common with Bear Bryant? That might be too big a tease, but it maybe not. You'll have to be the judge for yourself and right out of the shoot next We'll ask him about that, but also, more importantly, get his take on practice. What was he seeing as he gets an up-close, personal look of every practice session for the Houston Texans? This training camp, we'll hear from John Harris next here on Texans Radio. A busy week here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer, joined now by John Harris here following the day of practice. Now, Johnny, before we get anywhere else, I promise this. Now, I have inside information on your coaching history, and it comes from a very reliable source. Okay. I was on the phone with uh, Blake Jones, who <laughs> is the senior director of broadcasting for the National Football League, yeah, and he was a pupil of yours a a player of yours in mm-hmm. Jacksonville, and we we're going over some very important matters regarding replay i mean stuff at the stadium, really high tech stuff, yeah, and so we 're going through this whole conversation without a mention of you, and then I threw this at him. I said, all right, so give me your best John Harris story. He said, well, he talked about you guys losing a game once, oh, and gosh. the very next morning, you made all your players sprint up and down this hill. Yeah, And, and I was like, wait, John Harris this went junction boys on you guys? This is true. John and the Bear were doing the same type of abusive stuff to their players, and he said he threw up. And then he went back down the hill and went back up the hill, and you praised him for his toughness because he puked yeah. and then was able to do it. This is a guy, this is a high-ranking official in the National Football mm-hmm. League that you coached, yeah. and he remembers that. He actually said that was a, a big moment for me. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Where's the abusive, like, can't we go? What's the statute of limitations here on turning you in for doing that to your players?
8: Okay, yeah. For, first of all, this is 100% true. And, and there's more <laughs> There's more of the story, actually, because – we we played a, a team called Hilliard. Hilliard was I'm trying to think kind of the, the best comparison. Hilliard was kinda of like Needville. They just had a bunch of tough country kids and mm-hmm. we went there and we ended up losing forty to eighteen and we we were in a ball game for a little bit and then we just kinda of tripped all over ourselves and then we couldn't stop the run and they, they and I, I was I was helpless really helpless feeling. I was really upset and I just was like, We didn't play well. And so we had kind of a, a film session with them and as I'm watching it I'm getting more and more upset because I'm seeing things, you know, on film and I'm just getting uh, I'm getting so irate and I'm like finally I just I'm like, How many points did they score? And they go, Forty. It's like you got forty hill sprints and so Ooh. So oh, so we had at Episcopal, so cold, and you know where Episcopal is. Episcopal is just on the other side of uh, Everbank, not far from the stadium. Yeah, not far from the stadium, and so there was a pond that was kind of sunken in, and there, there, the the uh, the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, kind of the the hill basically to kind of get from the pond back up to kind of the normal area. It was a probably it was probably about a twenty five, probably about a twenty five yard run. Mm-hmm. So it was it was pretty steep and so how it started was my my the kid who had become my quarterback when I went back to coach in the varsity, his mom was a teacher at the school, she's a Spanish teacher, and she was talking about how her son Kyle was getting in trouble and Kyle was acting up in class and he had gotten a pink slip and she was talking in the teacher's lounge and I just leaned over and I was like, Give it to me And she goes, What? And I said, I'll take care of it And so I said, If you I told the team, I said, If you get one of these I was like, "You are going to run up and down a hill." So I took it and I taped it to his chest, and I made him run ten hill sprints. Oh my god! And so Kyle never. This is humiliating. So Kyle never, but Kyle never had another attitude adjustment needed. Oh my gosh! Kyle was great. So you'd be arrested for that now. Oh, I know. So (laughs) the best part about it was it actually wasn't the morning; it was in the afternoon. The reason I know that is because it was there was a massive rainstorm, and all the kids thought that we were going to get out of practice. Oh. So it pours down rain, and it then turns. It's like Houston. you going to get that pouring down rain, and then all of a sudden Steam. The, the, ste- the heat just comes back. Yeah. And it was perfect timing. And it's worse than it was. And it was worse than it was, and so they're running, and it's all of them. I got like 50 kids, and they're just all, and I'm like, and you, I'm just losing it. I'm like, forty. Times. nobody's ever beaten us 40 to nothing. You run up this hill. And to their credit, they did. They all They all did it. I think it was a great lesson for all of them, including me. I mean, I'm 23. I'm just like, you know, run! I mean, I'm just losing it. You're like Herb Brooks. Yeah. Again. Again. Exactly. And so there were. There were kids throwing up. I'm like, you throw up and get your butt back down there and run up again. you be a leader for this team. I mean, I'm I'm losing this. So this is on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Later that night, not that I cared, but I forgot that it was Episcopal's open house. Ooh. So it's every parent from sixth grade all through the way through senior uh, senior year. They come to campus and basically what they do is they go, they walk their children's schedule. So they get their schedule and they go visit that teacher for ten minutes. So literally, it was like a, a day of like a mini day of school. Yeah. And so when you pull up to Episcopal as a as a visitor, the first thing you see is
0: people sprinting up and down the
8: hill. Well, you see the hill. Okay. And the hill is a monsoon mess. Oh, oh, you it mud is, bogged it. It is mud everywhere. Yeah. I'm talking like 50 yards of mud in every Looks direction. Looks like Woodstock
0: during the rain. Exactly. 50th anniversary today, by the way.
8: And my classroom was right out the window. My my classroom looked right out over the Heart the Bridge, the Green Bridge. We go over. Right. Where we go to the stadium. And it looked right out and so i'm sitting in there and i'm waiting for my first class and i was like oh, i think i'm going to get in trouble for this because <laughs> it's the most beautiful campus you've ever right. seen and this hill is this mosh pit of Lollapalooza and Woodstock mm-hmm. combined so there's physical evidence of your overcoaching these kids and exactly aggressive counseling but here's the best part mm-hmm. i had f- at least 5 kids that showed up at open house with their parents and they brought their parents by and they're like Mom, Dad, this is Coach Harris. We ran that hill today. Look what we did to it. They were so proud of it. Like They were so proud to have run that hill and do it the way that they did. And I was just like, yeah, you know, they did a great job. They really bounced back. And I'm looking at that hill, and I'm like, I'm in so much trouble, man. They bounced back. I am in so much trouble. Well, speaking of bouncing back, next game? Yeah, next game we won. All right, good. Yeah, next game we won. Now, we saw Hilliard again later, and they ended up beating us again because everybody got hurt. Blake got hurt. He was my court was my only quarterback. He
0: was the quarterback and now he's in the NFL yeah, office. Yeah, he was Very my cool. only quarterback.
8: He was he and I had a I had a really good running back. He's now the athletic director at Episcopal uh who you've wow. met. You've met Andy. Look at all Yeah, look at all these guys being successful know, under your tutelage. I know. I would like to think that I had a small part to do with that, but whenever they get together, mm-hmm. those, that hill, right. they they talk about that all the time. How I mean, different they, would you be now as a coach? Oh, I mean, you'd have to change with the times. I mean, I don't yeah. I, I definitely would have, but I mean, I was in my twenties. I yeah. mean, I was 23 years so old. So you don't know, also. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I probably those things I would have probably pulled back from, but I wasn't opposed to. I don't like the way we're practicing, guys. Just get on the line, and start running. You yeah. run until I get tired, and then they would run a few, and then it's like, so what do you want to do? You want to practice? Or you want to keep running? I mean, I don't care because we we'll, we'll you know you'll get in condition and be ready to go, and we'll run two plays during a game, or we can practice. What do you want to do? And then you know, as they got as they got to know the, the nice thing was, is those kids that I had, other than Blake, Blake moved away. I had all of them again as varsity players. They came back. That was his junior. So as they knew the high. culture. So they knew how I wanted things done. And so by the time that I got, they got to be juniors and seniors. I didn't have to do anything. Right. They ran it. They yeah. they did it all. They well, knew that's what, what I expected. every coach wants, right? Yeah, they want exactly. the
0: players to kind of run the show. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because uh, Seth and Sean were talking about Bill O'Brien this morning, and And how it was, and they didn't really make this connection, not that they wouldn't, but I wanted to make it for them when I came on. Because the other day, Seth was talking about how Tom Coughlin changed when he went to the Giants. Yeah. Like, we were just talking about how you would change now. Right. Bill O'Brien's changed. Bill O'Brien's changed the way he coaches a little bit. I don't think he's gotten elaborate about these things, but we've talked about it. It's there for everyone to see. The very first practice ever for Bill O'Brien at training camp in yep. 2014 was two and a half hours in the sun, then gassers yep. after practice. Absolutely. Very different situation this camp, obviously. You have yep. the inside-outside activation mm-hmm. in the bubble. You have a very big difference. You have the CRZ, huge differences. And I think that last year, and it's coming off a 4-12 and season, that was kind of his new job. That was a new start for him right. with this organization because had – the 4-12 season resulted in a complete departure from the coaching staff, O'Brien would have gotten another job, and that would have been his next start. I think he got a fresh start last year, and – I think with the evolution of things, having a starting quarterback who's a really good quarterback, I think everything has changed. You have 11 wins last year. Let's see what they can do this year to further build on it. I don't know about more wins. Look, I'd take fewer wins in a division title and take it from there because I think it's going to be very tough to match that total, but you never know. Let's just see how it all plays out. But I I like the way it's going right here in this camp. I think you have some – some bumps, bruises, some guys nicked up and I'm hoping they make it to the starting line, opening day, Monday night. But I think you have enough healthy people and the most important guy is healthy.
8: Yeah, no doubt. And I think you're right. When you when you set a culture and then you're you're there for a while and you let the players you know, it's like it's like in New England in some sense because you know, look, Belichick sets he set the expectation in two thousand when he got there, and then obviously he won a championship in two thousand and one right. and then from that day forward, who set the culture? It's the guys in the locker room. It was Vrabel, it was Brewski, it was Teddy J, it was Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when those guys moved on, you know, it was still it was still Brady, but then you had guys like Gerard Mayo who stepped up at linebacker and was that guy, Rob Ninkovich. Yeah. You know, the it, the, the culture got passed down over the years. Hey, this is what we expect as as Patriots and, and obviously Bill being here now for, for six years. You have that opportunity where you don't you don't have to run guys with gassers afterwards because guess what guys were doing today after practice, without Bill even have to say it. I looked down and the whole offensive line is running is running sidelines. He didn't even have to say it; those guys were doing it. They were doing extra work after practice. The culture has been set, and like that's the way it was for me. It was like I want to set a culture of how I want things done. Well, the the kids were pretty smart kids, so they caught on pretty quickly. They knew what I wanted and how I wanted it done and then they took care of it. I didn't have to spend my time doing all that. That's strong. I basically had to pull back from them a little bit like, "Hey, let's let, let's ease up." Like they wanted to hit all the time because they were really proud of the way that they were physical and how mm-hmm. I kind of browbeat that into them like, "We're going to be the most physical team. We're going to be the most physical team because we were this little private school. You know everybody thought we were just going to be soft and finesse, and it got to a point where they were so proud of it. Like I had to pull them back like, "Hey, we're not hitting practice today." And they're like, "What? We're not hit? Like what are you doing?" And and I, it was the culture was already set on how you're supposed to play this game. Now we just got to refine everything. And I think Bill's gotten to that point here where he doesn't have to do those things. The veterans are able to say, "Look, this is how things are done." I, here's a great example of that. Today, today they were working on uh, it was like a situational drill, and Tyron Johnson had run a route during a situational drill all the way down the field, and he had gone deep. And I think it was Joe. I think Joe was in, and Joe got sacked. Sacked in air quotes, but Joe got sacked, and so the clock kept running. And Johnson had run all the way down, and I mean it was steamy hot, and it was near the end of practice. He had run all the way down the field, and kind of didn't know what was going on. Right. So he's kind of jogging back, and I look over, and I hear I hear Jay Joe. Joe's like, "Young Buck, you got to get back. You got to line up, man. You can rest later. Come on, let's go." And right. it was like clock's running. Yeah, and the veterans are handling that. Yeah, you know, John so- Perry, receivers coach, or even Andre. Bill O'Brien, none of them had to the say anything. J Joe took care of that. He saw it he saw something that was like, Look, this is how we do things, this is how you gotta do things in the NFL. This is how you gotta do them as Texans. The veterans take care of that now. And I think that's that's when you can get to a point as a coach, like, hey, I don't have to do that. I don't have to be the heavy guy anymore. Yep. I can just coach ball and and get these guys where they need to be. I don't have to be that guy that's just just out there just cracking a whip all the time on these guys. I can just Coach, and let the veterans take care of it, and let them run things.
0: All right. Biggest takeaways from the last couple of days with the Detroit Lions.
8: I feel like yesterday, Wednesday, I feel like the Lions, especially in, in the the Lions run game, they they gashed us a few times. I was a little worried about that. I felt like the Lions had played pretty well on Wednesday. I felt like Thursday, today, I felt like the Texans owned most of the action. Okay. Almost, almost all day. There was not a lot of one on ones today. There were a few, but. Seven-on-seven seven red zone for the Texans' offense. Seven straight completions between Deshaun Watson and Joe Webb. Jordan Thomas picked one right off the helmet of a linebacker. Every guy caught the ball. Chad Hansen had two great catches in the back of the end zone to finish. I think it was like 9 of 10 over that drill. It was phenomenal. When the Lions then went to do that drill during team, they had one positive play in like 7 or 8. I mean, to a point where Matt Patricia was so frustrated he started getting mad at J.J. Watt because J.J. had disrupted Stafford trying to throw. He never touched him, but he Stafford was trying to throw the ball and Watt was just trying to get out of the way. Yep. And Patricia ended up saying something to him and it was like, "Watt was trying to get out of the way," but they were frustrated with that. Then later, the Texans ended up having two interceptions. Chris Johnson, the rookie, had one, and Jaleel Adai had one off of Matt Stafford doing a, during a situational drill. So I felt like pretty much all day the Texans were in command of the action, and I think it's probably some of the best work that I've seen them in the joint practice. The four joint practices, I felt like th- the second day in Green Bay was, was I-, I felt like kind of the same way, but even more so today. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions are going to be pretty good. I think the Lions are going to be pretty good. Well, I- a lot of
0: people have them as a sleeper in the NFC North, and maybe they can do some damage. Uh, m-
8: most outlets have them fourth. Yeah. But they could be a sneaky hot team. I, I think so because they've got they've got they don't have they don't have a Hopkins or even a Fuller. You know, Kenny Galladay is a good receiver, but he would be the number three for us. They need. It. I mean, I know Hawkinson is going to be that guy for them eventually, a tight end. But they they need a guy on the outside. Carryon yeah. Johnson, it would be my fantasy sleeper. Like dra- draft Carryon Johnson, he's going to be a good player. This is a team really that has Megatron
0: and, yeah. and you know Golden Tate even, yeah. and they have not been able to really fortify at that position yeah. the way they need to.
8: But offensive line is there. Carryon Johnson's a good back. Defensively, they were missing some guys, but I think defensively they can be they can be pretty good. I, I thought the Lions overall are better than the Packers. I don't know if it's. A huge step above, but I feel like the the Lions are better than the Packers right now. We'll see how that that plays out during the season. From from the middle on out, maybe. Right. But I felt like today the Texans, I don't want to use the word dominate the action, but I felt like they were in command throughout the day. The only thing I felt like that was really frustrating today was there were about three procedure penalties and two offsides penalties.
5: And they had those those. yesterday, Mm -hmm. and they had
8: them again today. And I know that was frustrating Mm -hmm. and I know it had to be frustrating, but it kind of goes back to our question about the culture. Like, I mean, in the first year, and that's frustrating at any time for any coach, but I think in Bill's first year, I think that would have just probably set him off. Right. But now it's just like, hey, let's just move on to the next play, let's go. We know we can't do that, but I think part of it was the fact that they had played pretty well up to that point, so it's like, okay, we made a mistake, next play. Yeah. And then he'll correct that in and film you know, something. it's 100 degrees, so Yeah, you have that. And everybody's trying to survive. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. That's going to do it for the show
0: tonight. Hey, tomorrow night we'll be on and we'll have exclusive interviews with Bill O'Brien, also Dylan Cole and Drew Doherty. We have a lot of stuff coming up to get you ready for game night, Saturday night, Texans-Lions, 7 o'clock with the game right here or ABC 13 or stream it on the app. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.